We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 176 of the pod. Joe Moose alongside Matt Rooney. And we have a second Rooney. A we do. The first the Rooney to join the pod. Uh, Tim, the, the eldest brother, Rooney. Don't call me. Don't call me TJR Junior. Uh, I do make that mistake. Yep. I, I just. I just. That's on. It's, that's it's, on, it's your, easy. that's it's, on your dad. That's on your dad. You're not going to name your son your name and give him a different middle name. See, I don't think you wanted the Junior. I think that was. I think it was more like, hey, we're going to give you the name, but we're not going to completely attach you to me with the Junior. I like that. And you. And that's smart because I'm a Junior. I'm Joseph Robert Anthony Musso Junior. And it made for a nightmare uh, in terms of birth certificates, social security numbers, traveling outside of the country, getting my first passport. It's an absolute nightmare. So TJR was on top of things, yeah. uh, but he, he did he did prevent me from using a fantastic- uh, He was on top of things except for when Joe wanted ex- to do a, te- a podcast tagline, 32. I wanted, I had a nice little TJR JR. Like that's, it works. It still works. I mean, it's still, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. You're uh, fine. No, no disrespect to the Rooney name, as always. We have a great course review uh, by Tim and yourself about Forrest Dunes. Didn't that make you want to go play for in the pod it made me want to go play anywhere like i wanted to get up and go play golf just that that to me is what golf is about it's about experiencing new places with the same people Mm -hmm. like 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 having your group having your guys having your family people who you love spending five plus hours with and going somewhere to experience something new together and thankfully uh, we have this this group of people, these support systems that all love the game as well, and, and, and you can go have those moments around the game of golf. It, it's not necessarily about golf. Um, it is when you're teeing it up. Mm-hmm. The entire experience amongst loved ones is, is what makes the game so special to me. It, it's why I'm in love with the game, and it's why I'm uh, you know so indebted to having it be a part of my life because I want it to be a part of our lives. Like that, that's why I'm such a big advocate for the game. And it sounds like you guys had an amazing experience. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just thrilled that now it appears like I have two golf trips going forward. Um, mm-hmm. Past couple, we've had the one that you and I have been on that unfortunately mm-hmm. you were not able to make this year, but that, you know, you're a part of that we, we make kind of an annual thing. And then this was the, uh, this is a group that I think I've talked with you about. We go on those baseball trips every summer. Now that everybody's a little bit older, obviously COVID kind of killed the, the idea of the minor league baseball tour. But, yep. uh, you know, we got some guys that are older, some guys that have kids. It's harder to get away for a couple weekends. And they honestly took our golf trip idea um, and kind of figured out like, hey, we should do something. We should go here. They, they'd been doing a college football weekend. They decided, hey, we're going to scrap that in the fall. We're going to play golf somewhere. They opened it up a little bit to some of the guys that were on that baseball trip. And now it kind of seems like this is replacing that baseball trip possibly going forward. And if that's the case and I get two golf trips out of it for the year, we don't um, I'm not going to complain. I, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for minor league baseball. But uh, if this if this is indeed the, the trend going forward, I'm not going to be one that complains about two uh, competition-based golf trips going forward. Well, you got a full course breakdown. Uh, our normal criteria run through on Forest Dunes facilities over there. Both Forest Dunes, the big course, and the Loop, uh, which played fascinating. Interesting. You guys, design. you guys had uh, some really, some really interesting takes on that one as well. So uh, that's coming up later in the podcast. Stay put for that. But first, we got some things to talk about here. Uh, we did do our Bears reaction podcast after the Thursday night win, but there is some. 
tangentially related Bears news that came down mm-hmm. yesterday, yesterday being Tuesday, Le'Veon Bell released by the New York Jets. Um, the teams that come to mind, and this isn't just by boneheaded Bears fans, this is by uh, analysts and experts all over the place, are the Chicago Bears, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, the Los Angeles Chargers, the New York Giants, teams that have had significant injury at the running back position can potentially go out and on short money get a guy in Le'Veon Bell uh, that can supplement some of that loss. Now, with Le'Veon Bell comes the question mark surrounding character and mm-hmm. surrounding his ability to gel within um, different situations in locker rooms. Matt, uh, the idea of Le'Veon Bell wearing a Bears uniform by next week makes you feel what type of way? I'm all on board with it. Um, I mean, uh, depending that it's, you know, a a contract that he's not looking for another, you know, bigger deal or whatever that you got to guarantee him a whole bunch of money. If it's something you should be like, hey, a short-term thing that, you know, you can get out of easily that's not going to affect your cap, I'm I'm all in on it. Um, I, I know there were some of the character type issues, but I don't really fault anybody for how they act with the New York Jets, especially in the Adam Gase era, because that's just a dumpster fire. And I know he had the issues in Pittsburgh a little bit towards the end, but at the same, like he set out the year, but I don't think I recall much of like him being a problem in the locker room. It was more just him trying to set a precedent and kind of take care of himself, which I think in the NFL, I'm okay, I, I'm okay with that. I don't know if I would have sat out a full season, but if he was trying mm-hmm. to ensure he got paid and got his money and the Steelers weren't going to do that, um, as a running back in this league where your window is so tight to make money, I can't really fault them for it. Uh, yeah. And let's, let's face it, the Bears need a running back. I think David Montgomery is is still a very good between-the-tackles running back. Cordero, Cordero Patterson's a really nice kind of gadget back. But they need another running back that can kind of do a little bit of everything, do what Tariq Cohen did. And that pro- obviously, he's better than Tariq Cohen. It definitely was in his prime. He can run a little between the tackles more. Um, he's a perfect fit for what they want to do in this offense. And the fact that they were so interested in him two years ago when he hit the free agent market uh, would lead me to believe that Ryan Pace is very interested in him again now. A couple things I want to address in there. Um, I agree with you know your uh, your take in totality there that, yes, Le'Veon Bell as a Chicago Bear, I think the fit is nice. I think his skill set in terms of pass catching out of the backfield – perfectly fits with what Matt Nagy's trying to do offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he still can go between the tackles on you. And you talk about him as if he's this age star. Guy's 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, in terms of prime uh, biologically, he's right. He's, in he's there. He, he's in it for the next two years, three years. Um, now, you make the point about him being a New York Jet and seeing that downturn. That's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, guys, if you look at them when they get away from Adam Gase, have an immediate offensive bump uh, because it's like you're, again, breathing oxygen because you're not a New York Jet. You're not having to play for that coach. Um, he even tweeted out the prayer hands yesterday after all the news came down. So this is something that Le'Veon, was, Le'Veon Bell was wanting, and I think he's going to want – uh, um, I, like you said, I, I don't know if he has a leg to stand on in terms of asking for a long-term deal. So all the guaranteed money is paid. You pay him for a one-year flyer on a prove-it deal, and then you revisit things. Do I want Le'Veon Bell to be a Chicago Bear in the long term? Probably not. But in terms of what we need this year, what we need right now, I, I love the idea of Le'Veon Bell and the Bears' backfield alongside Nick Foles. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's just what they need to kind of spark this running, spark their running game. Um, I think they need a little bit of a shot in the arm. Not that Dave Montgomery is not good. I still think he has a future here. I still think he's kind of the lead back of the future. But 
you need that compliment back. And as much I, I really like Cordero Patterson in the offense, but as a guy who's only getting a couple of carries a game. And I think in the NFL, we've seen this, you know, teams like San Francisco, you need to have three, two to three, you know, real legit running backs that are mm-hmm. getting carries. And, and I think if you have him in the backfield, Matt Nagy is probably going to be, I, I feel like that's a guy he's going to want to give more carries to because yeah. Matt Nagy likes the, the shiny, you know, sparkly toy and we have the name Le'Veon Bell in the backfield um, I think that's one he's going to be like oh cool we got Le'Veon Bell I can hand him the ball for as much as I like David Montgomery too I think that's where Matt Nagy's hesitant in play calling is in that screen game that we saw with Tariq Cohen yeah and I think you get back to that screen game a little bit more uh, with, with the addition of Le'Veon Bell another point that you know kind of came to mind here yesterday as we were breaking down the breaking news on CBS Sports HQ. One of our analysts, Bryant McFadden, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I asked him, you know, Le'Veon Bell, the Pittsburgh Steeler, was a different guy. Did he overlap than, with Bell and with the Steelers? Uh, he did not. But okay. uh, my question I posed to him was the standard that is set forth in Pittsburgh, um, the structure that exists inside that building – how integral is that to having a productive and happy Le'Veon Bell? And he said, it's absolutely everything. Le'Veon Bell could have been one of the all-time great running backs conceivably if he would have taken less money, stayed in Pittsburgh because that structure was exactly what he needed. Now, like you said, it's a running back's world or it's a running back's life in the NFL. Go get your money where you can get it. And if it's not you know, in Pittsburgh, you got to do what you got to do from, mm-hmm. from from a business standpoint. But that is going to cost you uh, in the long term in your career. And, and we're seeing that with what he experienced with the New York Jets. He goes, but if Le'Veon Bell goes to a place that has a structure in place, that has a, um, a has a nurturing atmosphere where it ma- where it makes him feel like the all pro that he was, perhaps you get that all pro level of execution. Now, is Chicago the place that has that framework? I don't think so. We've been very critical of the leadership in the building before, but nonetheless, uh, you get him with that offense, and maybe Nick Foles represents that leadership. Maybe um, just a change of scenery is enough, but um, you get him around good people and a standard that is already set, and I think Le'Veon Bell still has a lot of gas in the tank. So I just we, it, what, you want to just like guess what happens since we're recording this before and naturally with our timing like uh, breaking news breaking Le'Veon news. Bell is a Chicago Bear one year one three point two million dollar deal I was I was gonna say one year three point nine I was gonna like have it just shy of yeah. four million. Um, which is all bonus money on top of what yeah. he's made this year. So that's why I think you can get him for a little bit cheaper. Breaking news on the Moose and Runes podcast. You're welcome, people. Um, maybe, maybe. Let's get let's get into the minutia of the contract here. It's one year with a team option for a second year at like $13 million. That's so a lot. To, I know, but that's, that's what Le'Veon Bell is going to want to get him in the building. We're okay. never going to sign that deal. But Le'Veon Bell wants to see that money on the table. The possibility of if, it. Even if it's a team option. The I possibility like that. of That's it. That's fair. Yeah. I like that. I like that little um, caveat. Good job. All right. Uh, we got to get into the week that was in the NFL. We'll do uh, some locks of the week. Um, we'll get into <sighs> our course yeah. review. And uh, that'll be that here Send for this episode way. of the Moose and Roos podcast. But uh, Matt, hit the music. Uh, let's talk about the week that was in the NFL. Let's do it. Week five in the NFL began in dramatic fashion on Thursday Night Football with a Bears one-point win over the Buccaneers. We saw it. We broke it down. Uh, bear down. I think that's all we have to say. Bears about. are back. Panthers and Falcons. Panthers win it 23-16, to handing the Falcons their fifth consecutive loss. Now 0-5 to start the season. 
costing both uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, the head coach and general manager, their jobs. Uh, they now move forward with uh, a vacuum of leadership, but something needed to change. Uh, your 0-5 uh, Panthers sort of turning in the right direction, feeling good right as the Bears get them next week. Yeah, the Panthers seem to have found, I mean, it's early, but seem to have found their head coach. Looks like Matt Rule yeah, is a guy Rule. who's always coming from college or the pros. You wonder how they're going to command a locker room. He seems to have done that really well and has those guys on his side. Uh, Falcons terms, I think the biggest surprise for me is after this, the rumblings that Matt Ryan could be possibly on his yeah. way out of Atlanta as well. Um, that to me is very surprising, but I guess if they go 0-16, which they're not going to you know, out lose the Jets, I guess, but uh, they might have a shot at one of these you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields type guys. So if that's the case, then I guess go for it. The Raiders and the Chiefs. Raiders, black and silver, feeling good uh, in Arrowhead, getting the job done, forty to thirty-two. Derek Carr's first win in Arrowhead in like uh, since. I think forever. he said like I didn't have kids or something like yeah, that. He said <laughs> my kids had seen one here. He won one in, uh, since he won one in Arrowhead, but two things I learned from this uh, from this game. I think we've overvalued the Chiefs a little bit. They have had games this year um, where they haven't showed up, mm-hmm. and they got away with it against um, who was it? Uh, they got away with one against New England. Honestly, uh, New England. Th- that was a close one. San Diego. Uh, the, um, the Chargers. San Di- uh, the Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. Not San Diego um, anymore. Was it? Was a close one. I mean, so the fact I think that we that, got to bring it up multiple times means they're not. You know, they they yeah, are. I think that the defending champs are sleepwalking a little bit right now. I think they are still the best team in the NFL, but they do suffer a loss to the Raiders, who maybe we've undervalued a little bit. Derek Carr looked fantastic, twenty-two of thirty-one, three forty-seven, three touchdowns for the kid. I mean, that that Raiders team is a is a good football team. They don't really yeah. play the best defense, and that's just going to be the case until they can get some talent on uh, more talent on the other side. Um, but credit to Mike Mayock and John Gruden, they've built a really, really solid offense. They've built up an offensive line. It's one of the best in the NFL. Um, surprisingly enough for them, Derek Carr has kind of turned out to be the quarterback they wanted him to be. Uh, and they got some some sneaky good talent on that offensive side. Uh, I think they've done it in short order, too. The way they turned around that franchise quickly is quite impressive. Cardinals and Jets. Cardinals win it 30-10. to 10, My lock of the week coming through. Jets now 0-5. Cardinals back above 500 at 3-2. and two. Uh, didn't see a ton of this game because I'm kind of at the mercy of NFL Red Zone. Mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> They didn't put it on there. <laughs> NFL Red Zone wasn't too interested in this game, uh, but the Cardinals do come away victorious in this one. I mean, it's the Jets are the Jets, and they, they think you – the bigger headline here is whoever's playing the Jets is probably going to cover. Um, the Cardinals look fine, but I think what you've said in Jets games before, you can't really judge a team coming off a game against the Jets because it doesn't really tell you all that much. Uh, moving on from there, it was the Rams uh, and, or excuse me, Eagles and Steelers. Uh, Chase Claypool of previous Notre Dame fame goes out, scores four touchdowns. Uh, everybody trying to get him on the waiver wire this Wednesday morning. I'm sure Steelers are now four and zero. Last time they were four and zero. Well, they went out to win the Super Bowl, so I think the Steelers are a team to keep an eye on from now until the final whistle of the season. Uh, Eagles do come out and give up a fight, uh, if nothing else. Thirty-eight twenty-nine, your final here. Steelers win. Uh, yeah, Chase Claypool's the star for this one. Obviously, these Notre Dame fans were going to kind of relish in that a little bit. Um, I talked about him in the draft as probably as a, as a sleeper, as a guy that can go in the second round and be a game breaker. Um, and he absolutely went off. He's he's the deep threat Ben Roethlisberger hasn't really had since Antonio Brown. No, I'm not calling him Antonio Brown. I'm just calling him a deep threat that Ben hasn't had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he looked fantastic. And the Eagles are I don't know, it's better, but they're they're struggling, man. 
Uh, that they are Rams and the Washington football team. Rams come away with a 30 to 10 kind of a sleepwalk win here as well. Jared Goff, uh, I think it's the best he's looked this season, at least since week one, 21 of 30, 309 and two touchdowns. Um, LA going to have a big one this week against San Francisco. I know San Francisco is not playing great, but this was the win that they needed in, in what is an easier stretch in their schedule. Yeah, I'm going to go on the other side. Good for Alex Smith for coming back. Um, I, a lot of people thought yeah. he might never play football again, and rightfully so after that leg injury. Uh, I, I, Kyle Allen went down, and they went to Alex Smith, and good for him. He's back. His, his journey's kind of complete. I wonder how much more he's going to play after kind of coming back and proving this to himself. Uh, we'll see. And Dwayne Haskins, wonder wonder where he's going to end up because it doesn't seem like he has much of a future with Juan Rivera. Uh, moving on from there, we are going to the Jaguars and the Texans. Uh, Texans win it 30-14, to 14, getting their first win of the season against the lowly Jaguars. Uh, Deshaun Watson, throughout all these losses, has been getting his numbers, but uh, you get rid of a head coach in Bill O'Brien and you get a W. I think uh, it's hard to ignore that storyline here. Yeah, the, the, the Texans looked a little bit refreshed, rejuvenated like teams do coming off that head coach firing that they didn't necessarily like. But to be honest with you, like you talked about the Jets and the Cardinals, this was the red zone game that I probably saw the least of. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to comment on it much more than that. Brandon Cooks looks like he had a nice game. Uh, big big game for Brandon Cooks, who has had his uh, head injury issues in the past. So just okay. always wishing him nothing but health because he is a weapon when he's out there. Ravens and Bengals. Ravens win 27-3. to uh, This might be game I saw the least of. Uh, Ravens, I think, in looking back on it and watching the highlights, um, dominant for large swaths. But uh, Lamar Jackson just kind of leaving a little bit to be desired at this point in the season. Yeah, this one was kind of just seemed like death by a thousand cuts kind of thing to the Bengals. The Ravens pulled away kind of towards the end, but they, they kind of just didn't really ever, they didn't throw a whole bunch of knockout punches. I feel like it was 17 nothing, 14 nothing. most of the game kind of pulled away, but I don't know. It was it was a fine game. It happened. The Ravens still just don't necessarily seem all like themselves uh, after that Chiefs loss, or at least the offense doesn't. The defense was firing on all cylinders and it, played pretty well against a solid Bengals offense with Joe Burrow, but that offense just doesn't seem right after the Chiefs loss. Uh, moving on here to our next matchup between the Dolphins and the 49ers in the what the hell was Didn't that see that matchup. one coming. Dolphins win 43-17, to 17, an absolute no-show from the 49ers. They benched Jimmy Garoppolo at half because of uh, some ankle tenderness that was hindering him, or at least that's the uh, company line right now. He is expected to start next week. Uh, against the Rams, but uh, really just a no-show out of the Niners. Yeah, uh, that one was very weird. And I saw Jimmy uh, Grapple got pulled. Was that more like, hey, That's this what I was just saying over? at halftime. No, was, 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 was that... Um, Listen, man. Why well, was... I, I was you know, um, game was I over. Was like, was that a this game's over or was that a we're, like, we're mad at you? I think that was more of a this game's over and he's having trouble yeah. pushing the ball off his ankle. Let's get him out of there. Okay. Um, or at so, least that's what they want the people, people to believe it. Well, you can't honestly think C.J. Beathard's a better quarterback. Um, no. But Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to fight off to it one more, one or two more weeks. Yeah. Good for uh, him, I guess, keeping that job. But that was I, that was one of those who just kept doing like double takes every time Red Zone Flash was like, what's the score? That scores what? And then what's it was more score? like, oh, cool, I should go live bet the Niners money line. Thankfully, I didn't. 
30 first half points uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Colts and Browns. Browns go on to win this one 32 to 23, moving to four and one on the season. The offense is for real. Uh, the defense, we shall see, but um, they go up against a Colts defense that has stopped everybody in their tracks and they score 32 points. Impressive output by Baker Mayfield in that offense. Yeah, um, that was one that they kind of relied a little bit more on Baker because the Colts are so good defending the run and the, the Browns offense answered the bell. Uh, that Colts defense is, is very good. The Browns offense uh, was absolutely up to the task. I was a little bit surprised at that one. I thought it was going to be lower scoring. I thought that was going to be one of those, you know, Browns beat up on the bad teams, lose to the good teams kind of thing. Uh, good for them. That was a good, good win at home for them. Uh, Phillip Rivers also looks a little bit. Uh, Cowboys, Giants. Cowboys get the win uh, with this a terrible loss. Tough. Yeah, um, Dak Prescott suffering that dislocated ankle and uh, compound fracture as well. Um, from everything that we've heard after the surgery, it went well, and the fractures were not um, as bad as they could have been. Mm-hmm. They, on a, they ballparked him at four to six months, which to me was absolutely crazy to think about him even being standing, let alone running in four yeah. to six months after witnessing that injury. But um, that is where we're at with modern medicine, and hopefully we can get Dak Prescott back before training camp next year so they can probably slap him with a franchise tag again, make $38 million, and have another opportunity to prove that he is the long-term answer in Dallas. You just hate to see you hate to see this happen to anybody, especially a guy in the financial situation that he is. Now, we're not crying for millionaires here, but Dak Prescott had to be thinking about his life as a $400 million upwards of that quarterback. Um, and then, you know, that vision of your future changes uh, with one snap of a football. Um, and uh, we're wishing him the best. Uh, Andy Dalton, now the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys as they move on with their season. Yeah, uh, I just that, that's the main takeaway. Is just get you know get well soon, Dak. Uh, hopefully, he comes back good, strong, as strong as ever next year. Um, like you said, he's going to be playing on that tag, but I, I think he will respond. I think come back and be himself again. At least, hopefully, he does. And that, that ankle was—I mean, CBS was like giving you a close-up of it. Yeah, it was rough. It was almost one like I was—I had two TVs on. I did like a double take and was like, "Wait, you're actually showing this." Yeah, and then Tony um, Romo said he thinks it might just be a cramp. No, but that I think that was <laughs> I before Tony. I think that was before Tony yeah, saw him trying it, to put his own ankle back in place. And I um, think the uh, I think the quote was like, "You hope it's a cramp," and then he saw the ankle. Yeah. I was like, "Oh no, that's not a cramp." Yeah, and you could tell that you know, having been out there and having suffered serious injuries, mm-hmm. and um, he was affected by it as well. So, uh, Did, like we said, was uh, Dak ever Tony's backup? Was that a thing? That overlap at the end? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. It might have been a year. Thinking I, think out a year. I thought there was a year. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm thinking out loud. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Vikings and Seahawks. Seahawks make a comeback win in the final minute, 27 to 26, uh, because you can't get a half a yard if you're the Minnesota Vikings. I don't knock the decision. No, I like the decision. Down there, try and end a football game, but you got to be able to get it. Um, Seahawks doing what the Seahawks do, winning in prime time, moving to five and up. I love the decision by Mike Zimmer to go for it. You're, you know, you're one and three. You're on the road on Sunday Night Football. Why give them any? You'd, you'd go for the kill. He went for the kill. Yeah. He didn't get it. Uh, that that's on your offensive line. You have to be able to get you know six inches. And if you can't do that, you don't deserve to win the football game. Uh, completely agree with you. Moving on here, it's more prime time football on Monday Night Chargers and Saints. Saints win it thirty to twenty seven. Uh, Justin Herbert looked good, but again, big mistakes and big moments. Drew Brees steady as she goes. Uh, check down Charlie about 325 yards through the air and a touchdown. So uh, say what you want about Drew Brees' decision-making. He got a dub, and he got 300-plus yards. Uh, looking forward to seeing what Drew Brees does once Michael Thomas comes back because he hasn't really yeah. had him, and I, I know he doesn't 
really have the deep ball arm anymore, but having a guy like Michael Thomas to at least stretch the field changes like, everything. It does, and it might give you a little more confidence to put up one of those, you know, I don't want to say wounded duck deep balls, but you know, deep balls a little bit more uh, more air underneath them. Uh, and like you said, Justin Herbert is uh, impressive, but can't really seem to close close out these wins. These he's getting these leads, can't really finish them. Uh, hopefully for him, that's just a learning process because. Man, he looks he looks really good early on in a lot of these games, and I, I think he's I, I think he might be something going forward for that Chargers team. And then for the second time in sixty plus years, Tuesday night football, Tuesday night football on CBS. Uh, it was a blast doing some pre and post game show yesterday. Had fun with it, but did not expect what we saw. No Titans not having played a football game in sixteen days, having all the positive COVID tests, having injury issues. 42 to 16 they do away with an undefeated bills team uh, the titans remain undefeated now at four and oh the bills slide to four and one with a meeting with kansas city coming up next week so let's just hold off on crowning josh allen our mvp uh, before we see some more because there were some questionable and i mean mitch trubisky type questionable decision making out of josh allen on tuesday night. well josh allen is always he's got all the talent in the world but he's also gonna take every single chance he ever can yeah but some of these were like what are you seeing here pal well that, again that, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen when you got a quarterback like that but i think the story for me is on the other side is the titans like you said 16 games not a football game they came out looking refreshed rejuvenated looked like they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they looked really really good last night ryan Tannehill was his efficient self um derrick henry had that stiff arm that that team looks like they can play with and beat just about anybody in the afc that is your week five wrap up in the nfl matt uh, i know i already alluded to it locks of the week mine hit with the uh jets i believe it was getting uh what was it seven and a half no nine and a half uh arizona was laying yeah. the jets they end up winning by 20 yeah. Uh, so I moved to three and two on the I season. I have the Cowboys. And uh, you moved Dak, to three and two on the if season. If Dak doesn't get hurt, I cover. But Dak got hurt. I don't cover. That's we fine. both sit at three and two on the season, looking at picks for this upcoming week. You got one for the people? I do. I uh, I might be buying into the Titans a little bit too quickly here, but the Titans laying three at home against Houston. Um, that was one that jumped out at me. I, it's it's a week of looking at lines that I don't. Like I really like the Dolphins minus eight and a half against the Jets, but like if the Dolphins didn't just blow the Niners out forty three seventeen, I would have taken that. But maybe after a blowout win, they might be a little bit like you know I don't know, sleepwalky. But I'm gonna go with the Titans. I think the Titans are a really good football team. I think even though Houston beat Jacksonville, it was a little bit closer than it should have been for a while. Um, I'm gonna go with the Titans at home minus three. My lock of the week is the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers going over 51. Love it. Uh, these are two offenses that know how to score. Uh, while Pittsburgh's front seven is strong, their defensive backs have struggled lately, and Cleveland's passing attack has been sound. I had this one handicapped closer to four and a half. Handy clapping. Uh, I had it closer to 54 and a half. 51 seems a tad low for me. Give me Cleveland, Pittsburgh over 51. You know, another one I kind of like, I'm not going to take it because I don't love betting unders because you're rooting for the clock, but mm-hmm. under 46 and a half in Patriots Broncos, I think get two pretty good defenses there too. I, I, I don't know if Drew, is Drew Locke back for them? I don't think he is. I don't think so. Um, so you got two backup quarterbacks, two pretty good defenses. I wouldn't be surprised if Cam starts. Okay, so Cam, Cam he needs two negative. He needs two negative. Okay, tests. Gotcha. if that that can happen over the next fair enough five Could days happen. here, yeah. Um, 
that would be my only wariness about that. The other one that jumped off the board to me was the uh, Cowboys getting two and a half at home against the Cardinals. Now, this is not to sit here and disrespect Dak Prescott. He was leading the league in touchdown passes. He's a fantastic quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. But mm-hmm. you have one of the best backups in the league in Andy Dalton. You got I think a very this, solid quarterback. Yeah. I think this that this team, whatever momentum they had, it doesn't stop dead because Dak Prescott got injured. I think that they continue on offensively, at least, scoring points. Um, I think it's a close game between them and the Cardinals. Just looking at a home dog uh, in the Dallas Cowboys doesn't seem right to me. I'd like them at two and a half. I also don't don't really understand the Bears being dogs at Carolina. I know Carolina just came off a win. Fine. Fine. That's that's okay. I'll take their money line and make some money off it. Fine. Fine. Bear down. Plus 125. Fine. That's all I got. Nothing. Nothing That's really. I, I did look at the college lines, but nothing really. Nothing really. College football. Off the board at me. College football is fake. That's until not true. college football is fake until otherwise. Right now, there are. I'm not going to call Alabama and Georgia fake. There are 100 plus points being scored in games. It's a. It's a farce. I love it. It's fun. It's a, It's it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch and bet overs. But if you're wagering, I'm going to take the over 74 right and a half in Central Florida and Memphis. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I've enjoyed watching it, but it it feels different this year. I think so much of college football is the scenery that surrounds it, and it's missing mm-hmm. that. Um, but the Big Ten does get started later on this month. So what do we got? About ten days until Big Ten football. Yeah, I so think maybe my a opinion week from will Saturday, change right? at that point. A week from Saturday, it is. Uh, college Matt football betting tip: bet against Florida State. They stink. I like that as well. Yeah. I like that as well. Um, it's time to jump into a course review with uh, with mm-hmm. let, let's bring on another Rooney here because one is just not enough here on the Moose and Runes podcast. So it is the Moose and Runes and Runes two Roonies podcast. don't make a right. Am I right? Uh, something like that. Uh, but uh, here it is: our full breakdown of Forest Dunes in Michigan. We are now joined on the Moose and Roots podcast by the eldest of a long line of great men in the Rooney family, uh, Tim Rooney, earning his way on the podcast in dramatic fashion. So I'm told, Matt. Uh, yeah, not, not, not very dramatic. Sort of a foregone conclusion, but uh, no, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. It was it was set up. We we had a golf weekend with the Rooney brothers. Some of our friends uh, came down it. to uh, back nine on Sunday. We're Sunday singles to wrap it up. Tim and Mike had an ongoing series all summer going back and forth, and this was kind of the uh, – it seemed like the winner-take-all type of moment. Um, granted, Mike was giving Tim quite a few shots, but it's the same format they used all uh, all summer, and Tim was able to pull out the victory, I think, on the 17th green. Um, if I remember correctly, it was on 16. Mike hit like this awesome – Mike was, I think, down one on 16, hit a really, really nice drive down the left side of the fairway, kind of right on the rough fairway line, and the fairways were bouncing really, really hard. So we took a couple bounces right into the uh, the base of an un, unrooted tree. That's a rubber. It's a rubber. So Mike got a bad situation. bounce, and, and Tim took some advantage. So Tim, how you feeling? Yeah, well, you got the, you got the podcast. Having, you got the win. Thanks for having me on, guys. You forget on fifteen, he hit a ball right of right, and we gave him a free drop because you couldn't find it. I'm so, not. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling out any fair. I'm just saying that's that for me was the turning point. That's where the match was. Because I got up there with Mike in the cart, and you could see the frustration on Mike's face, and it was kind of like, all right, this is it probably is, it. Uh, it is a zero-sum game, and the competition committee is happy that you were big enough on 15 to allow <laughs> the match to continue. Um, before we kind of get into this, because uh, what we want to do here is we're going to break down how we do the course reviews. 
uh, our normal set of ratings here, Forest Dunes, which uh, we love doing course ratings that are within striking distance, which in within reaching distance of the Chicagoland area to get people out there and playing the game uh, in the surrounding areas. Uh, Tim, before we do that, just you know, we talk about the minutia of the golf game here on the podcast, and I know you're a valued listener here. You know how we do it. Give us the status of your game this summer to pull off a win like this, to be where you're at right now. Um, you know, we're kind of going into those doldrums of can I sneak in a couple more rounds? How'd you feel about the game this year? Felt good. Um, you know, amazingly, when you play a little bit more um, and with COVID and with uh, my daughter now being three and able to ride the golf cart with me, Perfect. Um, I, I got out for probably 30, 35 rounds this summer, which is, I don't know, five times what, what the past two summers were. Um, yeah, feel good. Uh, my brother's a dramatic, not, not my brother, Matt. My brother, Mike, is a dramatically better golfer than me. He's a scratch. <laughs> I'm probably a 12. And that, that's about the shots that we play. Um, but had a good summer and, and beat him six out of eight matches. So You guys uh, played eight matches this summer? I didn't realize it was yeah, that much. That, that'll probably result in me getting fewer shots next summer, um, which will be a double whammy because I'm sure I'll play much less uh, having now a, a, another kid to contend with. Hey, 35 rounds, I'm sure we're carrying an accurate handicap, and that's the beauty of this game, is that no matter, no matter the level of competition, you bring your best that day, and, and you get one up on your brother six out of eight times, you can't beat that. It was like a classic older brother scenario where like this, you knew this was your summer to get Mike, and you did, and now you kind of know that next summer there might be like, you know, something's going to change, you're going to have the second kid, you're going to play golf less, Mike's probably going to take advantage and make you get less shots, but... You took advantage while you could. You kind of beat up on him while he was little, and now Mike's, you know, going to not necessarily grow a little bit, but the situation's going to change. Before yeah, we done we rang it back around. Look for 2022 to be a real strong year. Okay. Uh, okay. That, that like could it. be the next appearance like on the it. podcast, 2022. Like we'll mark it down. Um, before we dive into this course review, if there's a message you'd like to send to your brother, I know he's listening right now, uh, the forum is yours. Hit more three woods. Keep the ball in play. Uh, Mike can drive the ball 70 yards past me with a three wood. Um, yeah, he can. And, and he, he definitely lost a couple balls on drives there. Um, when I put a 220 in the fairway and he put it 320 out, you know, in, off the planet. You know, yeah. I'll take 220 in the fairway any day. Yeah, that's the thing with Tim's game is it's so consistent. Like, like you said, he's about a 12. He's not going to hit the ball all that far, but he's, it's really hard for him to make double. Everything is kept in play. It's relatively straight, and he's consistent around the green putts. And if he's making five or four on every you know, – five on score. par fours, six on par fives, and Mike's giving shots, it's going to be really hard for him to win. Well, the beauty of it is that you guys uh, get to share these moments as a family going out to these beautiful places and playing these beautiful courses and, you know, sharing that time with the brothers, the cousins, everyone involved. So um, keep doing that and keep inviting me. But let's dive into this course review. Uh, Matt, again, we're going to outline here just the criteria. Again, it's Forest Dunes, but it's it's a dual property is what you were saying. Yeah, so Forest Dunes is the main course. Then they have a course called The Loop, which we'll get into, but the design of which is, is really, really cool. And then they have have a uh, like a ten hole short course, it was ten hole, twelve hole, something like that, and then a uh, I think it was eighteen hole like putting course. And uh, Forest Dunes, give give me an idea of travel time. It's a hike. Long. Ross okay. Common, Michigan is the town. It's uh, it's about five and a half, a good five and a half from good Chicago, golf. but it is five and a half of you know, but two two and a half hours on Interstate Highway, and the rest are wandering down back roads, one lanes, <laughs> and it's it's a little bit interesting. 
You love it. Um, all right. But the criteria for our course review here for Forest Dunes, it's going to be difficulty, fairness, conditions, scenery, amenities, and service, all ranked on a scale of what? One to 10? One to five? What are we doing here? Well, we go zero to five. We go zero and to you five. You throw, throw decimals in there if you want to. So all right. difficulty for Chambers Bay, I had it at a 4.4. I always pull these up for, for some reference points. All right. Difficulty. Um, do you have an actual slope rating for me? I don't have the card. I don't. I can make the able. All right. Well, then uh, you, guys, fine. We're fine. you guys, we're fine. You, I, I, while you guys talk about the difficulty level here, I'm going to get us more uh, course facts. Uh, I actually do have it from the, from the oh, tees we played at the slope was about 135 for forest dunes. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't have the loop. It's probably a little bit easier. Uh, both, both routings are probably a little bit easier. I would also like to say for the record, before we get into the, the reviews here, that while it sounds like Tim won the war here, Tim actually just won the battle. He won his match, but okay. his team did in, indeed lose seven and a half to four and a half on the weekend. Got a little bit interesting in Sunday singles, but right. we, we had the, the back group. They picked the, They started slow, but they picked this up and at the, it wasn't all that close towards towards the end. I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's a true Ryder Cup scene where win or lose, everyone's celebrating in the team room after. You know that's yeah. that's the moment that we're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, we, we had a little for, for uh, old balls versus the young guns. Um, nice. And, and mistake number one was was making Mike a young gun and not an old ball. And, and wow. mistake number two was uh, that that I, I would say three people on each team were very evenly matched up, and, and the fourths on each team were uh, were not not um, okay. So and, had, and Mike was the only one that gave strokes all weekend, so that that hurt the uh, the old balls. Uh, looking at uh, some stats information here on Forest Dunes opened in two thousand two, a Tom Weiskopf design, seventy one hundred yards, tips out to a par seventy two. We're playing bent grass on the greens, uh, Providence bent grass Look in the fairways, you. a pen cross bent grass on your tee boxes, and some Kentucky blue in the rough. So I'm thir- sure uh, things got lush. But let's talk about um, let's. Talk about the difficulty level here, Matt. Uh, so for Forest Dune, I guess for both, I guess we got to do both courses. Um, I would say the difficulty was, I got Chambers Bay at a 4-4. I'm going to put it around a 3-9. I don't okay. think it was up there exactly. For me, it's a, it was a little bit more difficult, especially on Forest Dunes, because um, I don't know why they call it Forest Dunes. It's much more of a foresty course than a Dunes course. You have a couple Dunes holes uh, to start the back nine, but it's mostly forest. And you guys have both played with me. My, my, my shots off the tee, not exactly down the middle all the time. I'll tell you if there's um, forest. <laughs> so there was some forest. Uh, that for me made it a little bit more difficult. Um, I didn't think anything other than that on forest dunes was overly difficult. Um, but I was, it was still challenging, but nothing that was, was leaving me like, oh, that's, that's really memorable. That was really, really mm-hmm. hard. As for the loop, um, we'll get into a little bit more in fairness, but the, the greens were incredibly difficult and the, uh, the fairway, the grass was really, really hard. So you had a lot of bounce and that was something that, you know, playing in the Midwest where it, it gets kind of rainy and you get some soft courses, it was not something I'm totally used to. So I got gotcha. that right at, right at just under a four, like a three, nine. Tim, uh, give us your difficulty rating here. And I also want to know from your standpoint, where, where did the difficulty lie? Was it the tee shots, second shots, or when you found yourself there kind of greenside at forest? Yeah. Well, well, you do have to separate the, the difficulty I think on a normal July day from when we played it, because I don't, think, agree, that, I don't sure. think it, I don't think it hits 50 all weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And so part of the difficulty lied in that, that I don't hit the ball far to begin with and, and the ball wasn't flying. Um, but four students and, and the loop, Matt, we're doing a combined difficulty. Yeah, we're doing, rate. we're going to do just a combined score yeah, for the uh, facility. I'm, I'm with Matt. I, I say right about a four out of five. Um, it, it's not the hardest. Neither of them are the hardest golf courses I've ever played. Forest Dunes probably a little more difficult. Um, 
and the difficulty there is is in the forest part, right? Even for somebody like me who I drive the ball straighter, you know, there's definitely some pinched fairways. There's some some tree trouble whenever you get off the fairway. Um, the greens at, at the Forest Students course were fairly docile, um, not not much trouble. They're rolling well, pretty quick, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, if you go over to the loop, pretty open. Um, definitely one of those courses, you know, no trees, uh, wide fairways, but then some heather if you get off the fairways. Um, green, greens were tough. Um, I think I'm probably going to find them to be a li little bit more fair than Matt did. I don't know if I just had a better experience. Um, but the greens were the defense there, you know, big slopes. I think by the, the third hole of the first round there, my brother was, was saying, hey, this kind of reminds me of Pinehurst too. And he's He's really right. A um, lot, of, lot of turtle back type greens there uh, and, and playing very hard and very firm despite it being 42 degrees and raining. Well, that kind of dovetails us perfectly into uh, this fairness conversation. It sounds like Matt wants to have about. The I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily does, rip the fair. I mean, it, it was like. Come, does this come with the understanding that you are that you've been toying with the idea of a putter change all summer? No, like, I no. It's nothing to do. Any, it wasn't necessarily for me the the putts that were all that. Um, like I, I thought once you were on there, I thought they mm -hmm. were they weren't all that unfair to, to kind of work. It's not like they were. There were a couple where if, if you went by the hole, you're rolling off, and we did see that a couple this weekend. But I'm going to give the loop, I guess, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because we haven't really explained the concept of the loop. It's, it's actually fascinating. The course is laid out in, as it says, in one big loop, one big circle, mm -hmm. and it's designed so you can play it both ways. So one day we, tur you know, we played it counterclockwise. The next day we played it cl clockwise. You have you know, tee boxes set up to green, so they're kind of – forced to get creative with pin placements and greens and all that stuff. Plus part of it's a short cool. course. They want to make the greens a little bit more challenging. So there's going to be some quirk. Yes. That's it. So that like, it wasn't to the point where it was like Mickey mouse golf where, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you can hit a good shot and you just have no chance, but some of the pin placements on some turtle back spots where it was like, you just have no chance unless you land it perfectly. I'm going to go fairness. Like uh, forest dunes. I have no, um, problems with how, how that course played in terms of fairness, whatever. I'll give it like a, like a three, six, just because I, I think it was above average. I don't think it was anything more than that, but I just, some of those pin placements, uh, green spots on the loop were not my favorite, but again, got to give them a little bit of benefit of doubt because how the course is so uniquely laid out. Absolutely. Tim. Yeah, I would say a four and a half. I mean, in, in 54 holes, we probably had three or four, dumb pin placements on the loop. Um, nothing on Forest Dunes. That was totally fair. Um, the, the loop had three or four dumb pin placements, like Matt said. You know, you're, you're going to get a little bit interesting as you go around it both ways. But, but pretty darn uh, fair. I didn't, I didn't really have an issue with that all weekend. I'm sure Mike would have a, a different rating for us after that. Bounce. Mike would give you like a one after. Like, <laughs> how, how dare you have an uprooted tree still on your course? Which I get. Uh, I mean, it probably should have cleared it. Yeah, that was part of the. That was a little bit part of the uh, the vibe that you got at the loop. Though it was very natural. You know, it yeah. wasn't it, it, when you got off the fairway. Now being a down tree two yards off the fairway is a bit extreme, but but look, the fairways were sixty yards wide. If you missed the fairway, yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of deserve what you got. I mean, you, you hearken to the natural beauty of Pinehurst too and kind of some of the trouble you get yourself into off the fairway at a course like that. I, I think that's a, a beauty of what some of this design has been lately is getting back to natural, not overwatering and overseeding everything, letting uh, the terrain speak for the course and you feel like you're playing in, what was it, Michigan? 
in uh, Ross Common, Michigan. Michigan. If you, if Beautiful feels, Ross Common, it Michigan. It feels like you're in Ross Common, Michigan because they leave some of that identity to the golf course. Um, uh, this is you guys have sold me through uh, through two categories here. I, I, I got to get up there. I got to play this course. I got to see it because some of the scenery that when you did say you were playing it was absolutely breathtaking. So. Uh, um, the question always comes about when we're talking about golf in October and golf in late September conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really the time of year where courses start to turn and change and the facade of them changes. Superintendents are really put to the test on keeping things playable and competitive. Um, from that standpoint, Tim, I'll go to you here first. Uh, conditioning wise, how is the course playing? The conditioning was like I'm not giving out a perfect score, but it was just about as close as, as you can get to like four eight four nine. Um, it again, we had we had really tough weather. Um, we had Friday night. We Friday we got up there midday and we played four students. It was probably forty one degrees. Um, Saturday we got a surprisingly nice morning, uh, and by nice I mean still in forty five. So I mean you know. Relatively I got nice. to those mid fifties by, by the back. Uh, we saw the sun a little bit. Yeah, it we did. Out. Uh, we, and we didn't expect to. So that was a, yeah. a bonus. And then, then Sunday was um, it was totally miserable. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was thirty eight yeah. degrees. It was on and off, misting and raining the whole day. But you know, you were there. You're going to play. Um, but despite all that, both courses played exactly as they were intended to play. You know, Forest Dunes is supposed to be that foresty course. You, you can like or dislike the concept, um, but that that. It's what it was. It was in great shape. And the loop is supposed to be hard and fast and, and stuff running everywhere. Um, and whether or not you, you like that or you're a fan of it, it, it was in perfect shape. Again, despite some really cold, damp weather, I was impressed with how you know, we got out there Sunday, even back nine on Sunday, it's been raining for four hours and, and, and seven irons are still taking 10 foot first hops into the green, which uh, again, that, that's what it was supposed to do. Yeah. It was actually really impressive. I am, I'm right up there with Tim. I got the conditions at a four nine. Um, I thought I, it's hard to give a perfect score ever. I mean, maybe Pinehurst is, is the one that gets a perfect score. Um, but for October, I think it was their last weekend or second to last weekend. They were open for closing for the season. I thought the course was in pretty immaculate condition. It played exactly how you expected it to. There weren't really any, surprises that came along the way that especially the second time you know you played the loop um i thought it was really well kept and like tim said as much as that loop course took rain throughout the weekend you know eight irons seven irons were still getting huge first hops and bounces off their uh off your initial shot and that's what kind of you were expecting for it um so i thought it played the same way it was supposed to all weekend despite the weather i thought it was they, they did a fantastic job and again especially with how cold it was and how late in the season it was um it was still feeling like it were looking like at least it was, you know, it did probably when they opened the course. Uh, Forest Dunes, I'm reading more on it here, is a wise cough. The loop was done by Tom Doak. So a, a ton of great DNA and mm-hmm. amazing eyes were laid on that course um, in the way that they intended to lay it out there. Uh, also found that out when, when, find, when I was looking for the superintendent's name to give him some love here, Rob Falconer. And tell that's me that's a name. Not, tell me that's not a name. We need to get Rob Falconer on the podcast. Uh, shout out to Rob for keeping his course uh, the way it's supposed to be late into the season. Uh, you guys both giving high scores there on conditioned scenery. Now we're talking about uh, Michigan and there's some beautiful parts of Michigan, some beautiful courses up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, was looking at it on the map here, kind of situated, not water adjacent. So you're not getting peaks at Lake Michigan, but in terms of scenery, if I would have picked you up, Matt, yeah. dropped you at Forest Dunes, where would you have felt like you were? 
I think I would have felt like I was in Northern Michigan. Um, I, it, it, I mean, honestly, like that's what it looks like you have. Been, like Northern Michigan, you know, I, I would almost without the it wouldn't quite wasn't quite as hilly as Sand Valley, so I don't want to call it there, but kind of feels like Northern Michigan, Northern Wisconsin, kind of Northern United States. It was a little bit. I don't. It wasn't flat. I want. I don't want. I want to say mm-hmm. it was a little bit flatter than what you had at Sand Valley. There wasn't much Rolling. water, but it, I, I think the scenery was also aided by it was fall and you had some leaves changing, and that, and that made it um, look even better than you know probably would even summer. Um, but yeah, it seemed like fall in the Midwest. I got it right around like a four three. Um, if, if it was on a lake, I think it would have been close to perfect. But it's not. And if if your course isn't on a lake, it's never going to be perfect scenery. But I thought for you know a Midwestern golf course in the middle of a forest. Um, I thought it was very, very uh, scenic and beautiful. It was missing a man-made waterfall behind 18. I think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tim yourself. Yeah, I probably a little lower, probably a three and a half. Uh, it did look like Northern Michigan. It was amazing. As, as you guys know, this time of year is when the fall color comes in and just driving the five hours North from Chicago you know, we went from green trees to orange trees kind of as you're going through the drive, which actually might've been one of the coolest parts. Um, and, and when you get up to forest students, first thing I always do when I go to these courses, now, I'll go buy the yardage books. One, they're a good souvenir. Mm-hmm. Two, a $6 yardage book's a lot cheaper than a hundred dollar caddy. Um, and they do about the same for me. Uh, and the yardage book at forest students actually has the, the trees in the pictures in fall color, which I found nice. was, was that's hilarious. nice touch. <laughs> um, and I guess seasonal yardage books. They something they really sell, but it was you know it was it was pretty. It was nothing special. It wasn't on a you know it wasn't on a lake. It wasn't uh, wasn't designed to be super scenic, and I don't think it was. But that, mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't the point or the attraction of the golf course. Yeah, um, I think you make a great point there too. Just about the journey to a golf course sometimes uh, makes you feel away, and you carry that onto the course. Um, that scenery, I'm experiencing a lot, a lot of that in the Northeast right now, um, rather than the golf I was experiencing in Northern California, it's not very seasonal whatsoever. You go from burnt summers to nice green fall. Um, but just having that seasonal change out here, while it is indicating subconsciously that the season's just about over, it does give you those beautiful rounds uh, with different coloration um, all over the place. So I'm happy to be back in that type of golf. But uh, we do have to talk amenities and service here. We will split those up. We're going to talk amenities first. Uh, Tim, you know, we love going to these courses. You know, we love experiencing these resorts and these different things that the game offers us. Um, from an amenities standpoint, where do you put this? Would we point before Tim's, would we count like the short course and stuff? Is this, is that considered like amenities to be calling that course? What do we, how do we want to do that? So it's I not really a course. Talk, I was going to talk about the short course. As I amenity. think that's amenity. That's okay. I wanted to give. I think that's probably an amenity because you're not like, um, you know, going out there to shoot for a score. What a go ahead. Yeah. I think the short course was like 20 bucks to play or something, something ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. So I guess it technically was you're paying for it. But and then five holes for free after. That's perfect, too, when you're you're doing one of these trips. Let's say you get in late one night, you're doing a couple overnights, you go out and play the short course, work the wedges, get ready for the morning. I I love having that option at a resort. Oh, for sure. I mean, for our group, too, uh, you know, we had, of the eight of us, I would say um, maybe four of us would have enjoyed playing 36 holes in a day, which, you know, that's one of the options when you're doing one of these weekends. There's literally nothing else to do but play golf, so – you know, you're doing something golf related all day. Um, and the, the short course is a great alternative to a 36 hole day to go out. We played 18 Saturday morning. We had a great time, you know, had a nice relaxed lunch, um, which was pretty darn good. Um, and then headed out and played 
played the short course, played the putting course, and, and Matt and I and a couple other guys went back out to the short course to just play a few more holes until sunset because this type of stuff is, is a blast. Um, I, I'd give the amenities, and I think we got to be a little COVID adjusted here because that's, that's fair. You know, we didn't get to hang out in the clubhouse. You know, and on a, a normal night, we would have had dinner at the clubhouse and we would have, you know, probably hung out in the clubhouse bar until far too late for me. Um, and, and, you know, and had a good time. Instead, we were kind of back at our cabin. Um, but the amenity is probably a, I, I'd say a four and a half. I, I really liked the short course. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if people haven't played them before. They're a blast. They're all, you know, 60 to 100 yards. It's not even really working out wide. It's really just kind of screwing around. But we mm-hmm. had, you know, we played as an eight some. We had a, you know, we, we just, you had a great time, bring a couple beers out. One of my buddies who's hosting the trip surprised us all and bought us all uh, Sunday carry bags for the short course, which That's is a great awesome. touch. classic uh, touch. It's nice touch. We had about 30 people come up to us and we were playing, hey, where'd you get those bags? <laughs> Amazon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, a, a high amenity rating, uh, you know, for, for the short course. They, they had a nice fire pit out back too, which was uh, a nice lot, you know, area to hang out. We probably would have utilized it more again in, in June or July um, without it being 42 degrees and, and the sun going down. Speak well, for yourself. I utilize that fire pit quite a bit after that <laughs> second short course <laughs> round. When you're a few beers deep, you don't really feel the 45. That's it. Yeah, you a get, few you get, is an, an interesting description of the number of beers. You <laughs> I was fine. Uh, they, they only count as half when you're fire side. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's true. It. That's it. I think also, they only count as half when they're Labatt Blue Light and you're walking. Hey, those are delicious. That's, that's, another, that's a new beer I'm in That's on. another COVID adjustment there. Uh, <laughs> Matt, when we're, when we're talking about amenities here, Tim did make mention of a nice lunch. Uh, I know you're, you're, you're oh, a, I had a good lunch of culinary sorts here. Take us through that too as well from the amenities. I, I think Tim and I had the same thing. I, think, I, think I, got, I got a nice French dip with, uh, with some, some cottage chips which I'm a big fan of if you can do it, if you can do a nice crisp cottage chip, I think that's the, I think that's the best side you can get. Um, so food was delicious. Everyone else's food looked fine as well. Um, but I think Tim covered the short course. So I was going to go more the, the cabins we had. I'm not sure how many cabins they had on site, but they had several options. We were an eight person house. I think they appeared to have bigger houses on site as well. Um, we had a problem with our heater the first night. We I told them the front desk the next morning, and you know by the time we got back to play or get back from playing, um, that was fixed and all taken care of. So I thought everything from a many standpoint was was fantastic. I got it right. I got probably like a four seven right above where Tim had it. Uh, I give it the extra point to bump because I went to the bar both mornings and got a, a nice vodka orange juice to start my round. And the person gave me a little bit extra on top both times. So my bartender, I, I bump it up about extra two points for her. Um, Tim talked about the short course. I was the first true short course I played was sand Valley. I, I played the cradle over at Pinehurst, but that was only playing like it's on mats the time we played it and yeah. all, all the holes are about 50 yards. Um, played sand Valley, sand Valley was like, it was fun, but it was 17 holes. And he had some shots that were like, you're hitting legit eight irons. Like it's yeah. 150 yard, but which I don't, <laughs> think that takes away not doesn't take away some of the fun of the short course but short course i feel are supposed to be more like what tim said like hey we're, we're not really even hitting full shots we're hitting wedges yeah. and i thought forest dunes kind of found the perfect middle ground from that like you said 60 to 100 yards you had a few greens where it was you know you, you had some fun spots where if you put it in the perfect spot you're going to feed off a hill whatever but it wasn't too you know gimmicky um i love their short course favorite one i've played so i got that at a four seven with the amenities nice. and then the bartender 
I think that's, uh, and then the bartender, I think that's the beauty of those, those short courses too, is just your proximity to everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. It feels cozy and and you start getting longer and you lose that coziness maybe in certain (laughs) spots. Uh, Not to say that I wouldn't want to go see the cradle for myself. Every, I would love to go back there. (laughs) Everything is like nice golf and ball. Exactly. That's fair. It's a party. It's just the perfect buddy spot for an afternoon. I think Forest Dunes did it great. I actually could use a couple more holes. I think I've now played a nine-hole short course, a 17-hole short course, and a 10-hole short course. Give me a 14-hole short course. None of them are right. It's like 13 or 14. 14 I've always always said, and and I think I've said it before on the podcast, that if I hit the lotto, I'm buying Sidney Maravitz from the city. We've we've had that discussion several times. I think that was a a Palm Springs discussion. We talked about how much money that would make. Yeah, (laughs) that would be a moneymaker. Yeah. Um, but I, another thing I liked about it is pretty much everything was within it, it's a golf course or walking ride. Like the short course is right next to the, the driving range, which is right next to the clubhouse, both for the first tee at forest dunes is walking distance. First tee at the loop is just short cart across the parking lot. Want to get to your cabin. That's you can drive or take carts two minutes. Everything was very, very close together and kind of easy to do. Um, didn't have to really think about how you're getting from A to B too often. Everything was just right there. Uh, looking at it, the options of stay and play are villas, cottages, and the Lake we went, Osable Lodge. I think we went uh, cottages. Yeah. I think we had the cottages, yeah. Uh, they, they all look fantastic, um, <laughs> and it's just a place to lay your head and uh, hit your legs with the uh, with the uh, hyperfuse or your your uh, what's the massage gun that I'm trying to think of? Theragun. That's the one that everyone has. I have the hyperfuse. That's, okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've, it's coming on every golf trip with me. I, I, I'm tied. I'm literally tied to the thing now. Um, that's, that's about those right. Are, those are uh, a necessity now for the golf game and just general wellness. This is not a paid plug, but go get yourself one. Uh, service is the last uh, category we have to talk about here, Tim, from a service standpoint. Um, you know, you make these trips, you spend this money and you expect a certain level of accommodation um, beyond um, what you would deem normal at a golf course. Um, I think when I go to these types of resorts, um, that's one of the big things that many places get right is just making you feel like, you know, you are the guest. Um, How do they do it in that department? Uh, Not well. Um, This has been it's been a high praise so far, and this is unfortunately kind of the butt. I mean, mm-hmm. I would give service a two. Um, we we didn't encounter anyone that was openly hostile, but no no one that we encountered, I thought the whole weekend was terribly out of their way to be friendly, or it was just sort of kind of checking the box, doing their job. And mm-hmm. you know, we had, and I would include this in service, uh, we played three 18-hole rounds, and two of them were extraordinarily slow. Um, and... And both of those were held up by one group, a different group. It wasn't the same group or else. I think my brothers may have shot them. Um, it's it, a one group that was just clearly, you know, bad and slow, which, which my father raised us and taught us you can be bad at golf. You cannot be slow at golf. And I, exactly. I agree with um, you get that tattooed <laughs> on my forearm. <laughs> if you're going to be um, bad, be fast. <laughs> and you know, th- there was kind of no one to, hu- there was no one to hustle them along. You didn't really see a ranger, which, see, you know, you, you do expect it. Well, actually, you that's where I disagree. You did see a ranger. We saw a ranger. We told them he did nothing about it. On the, the first day we called the clubhouse. I mean, we were literally on the second tee already. It was third tee box. We were already waiting. Yep. Gave the call, gave the clubhouse a call on the fourth tee. Very nice did nothing about it. So that's where I disagree with you. Sorry to cut you off, Tim. Go All ahead. Right. No, that was pretty good. You know, it's, 
it was unfortunate because we had a blast of a weekend. Um, and now when I go tell for about four students to my friends or, you know, we're talking about here, there is always a, but, and, mm-hmm. and when it happens once, if it happened one time in three rounds, okay, maybe you just are behind some people that, that are terrible. And that does happen at a golf course. You have to accept that when it happens twice in three rounds. Well, now there's a little bit of a pattern and, and you wonder if that's a regular issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Matt, Matt, did you feel the same uh, with your experience? Yeah, I got it right. Probably about a two nine, a little bit higher than Tim, but not quite at a three. Um, I thought everything like Tim said was fine. I don't think there are many, which, which is okay. Like there wasn't anyone that went overly out of their way. There was also nobody like actively mean or yeah. bad at their job, except for, I would argue the Rangers that were being paid out there to do their job and just kind of didn't. Um, car girl service was good. They were, they were around. Um, they, they, they did a nice job. Um, but for the most part, like Tim said, everything about Forest Dunes was fantastic, but this, the, the play just got to a point where it was unbearably slow. And especially on that second day where, I mean, it's 35 and 38 and windy and spitting rain. And it's like, all right, guys, like, let's go. You got a group ahead of you. That's not only slow, but like they're standing on They're They're bad. First off, they're very, yeah, no, it sounds, standing like, a, on it sounds like a true like, hurry up. Sounds like a true Kevin Na situation, grinding over numbers and then topping it. Like, oh my, we, we had a guy who was like, I, I forget, they were talking about, Oh, whether they think it's like a six or a five or six or a seven iron guys. Like, Oh, I think I can get there with a seven. It's this par three. That's kind of over some waste area. <laughs> And he goes and like chunks it 10 feet into the waste area. And then one guy's like, sir, oh, I, I think you might've got out of there. It's like, I no, recommend seven woods, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, it sounds like a fantastic experience. Uh, and, and like we said before, shared amongst loved ones. Uh, I'm glad you guys had the time that you did. And I'm glad that you could, uh, Tim, join us here to give us your course breakdown. Uh, again, your champion golfer of the year, Tim Rooney. Well, uh, well yeah. I, I, come yeah. on. I, I got to give him some sort of, <laughs> some sort of parting title here. Uh, he, he won his way onto the Moose and Noons podcast. That's true. That, and if that doesn't make you a champion, I do not know what does. Well, you, got, uh, Tim, you got two champions then. Yeah, I appreciate the shout out, Joe. And, and considering that in our only match this summer, I beat Matt earlier this Did. year. I'll, I'll take we had a wild, we had a, we had a fun match at Mammoth Dunes. I think it was the second, it was there, it was the th- uh, second 18 the of the second day. round of the day. And Matt had had a few pops. I had a few. We, okay. we were, this was all walking. And, you know, I was, I think two or three up on the 10th tee box and I lost like two or three down. 35 rounds and bragging rights over everyone he encounters. It's been a summer for Tim Rooney. I say hang those clubs up uh, and wait for the spring to come. Before we say goodbye, any parting words for Matt, uh, for, for Mike, for, for anybody that wants to go play Forest Dunes, the floor is yours, Tim. Go, have some fun. Um, be there at least a couple nights because it is, it is a haul. If you're going to play, make sure you play both courses. Uh, we think we were all excited about Forest Dunes, and that was the first one we played. And I thought just about eight out of eight of us after we we're done saying no, no offense to Forest Dunes, it was a fantastic course. I think we had more fun on the loop. The loop was a really, really fun golf course. And absolutely, if you're going out there, make sure you play both. Go experience the game. TJRJR, we appreciate you being here on the Moose and Noons podcast. Thank you as always. You're always welcome here. So there you have it. Tim Rooney, uh, don't call me TJRJR, Tim Rooney. Uh, <laughs> Tim Rooney, what's the middle name? T, he's TM. He's Matthew, Timothy Matthew. Yeah. Timothy Matthew Rooney. Well, he did a fantastic job on his debut here yeah. on the Moose and Noons podcast. Appreciate both of you fellas breaking it down. Uh, sounds like a course that. Uh, everyone in the Chicagoland and adjacent areas should get out to there at Forest Dunes. It's a fun experience Mike, for a group of people. Mike's got some motivation now. Go out and get Uh-oh. it. Oh, 
Don't don't give that man a reason. That's all they say. All right, uh, Matt. Let's jump into some buy or sell here before we say go- goodbye to the people. I think we just have one apiece, correct? Yes. Do you want me to start? You want to start? How do you want? To do uh, I'll start because okay. you know buy or sell has been our platform to sort of uh, air out our Blackhawks grievances. And you came to me before the show here today and said you had another one, mm-hmm. uh, Matt. Buy or sell the plan. Buy or sell the future. Uh, are you seeing oh, any sort of very different question? Uh, buy or sell the plan moving forward are you seeing the plan clearly no i can't buy or sell the plan because i don't think there is one okay. I, I really don't think there's much of a plan other than he was you know, stan bowman wanted to try and clear some cap and then well then he went and you know added a depth center for a rebuilding team for two and a half million dollars i i just i don't get where he's going with this it seems like he's running a team in off season like you would in like NHL 20 video games. Like he's just kind of throwing stuff out there and seeing like, Oh, those guys, we could swap the the winger for a defenseman that might work. And he's not taught. There's no plan in the player acquisition, you know, roster shaping. And there's also no plan, which is a much bigger problem for me in talking to respecting the core players that have not only won you three Stanley cups, but essentially turned the franchise from, what used to be one of the worst in all of sports to one of the most profitable in all of the NHL. Um, it's because of what Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Duncan Keith did. I mean, you, they after 2010, you had that press conference, or after 2009, you had the press conference with all three of them at the same table signing those really long contracts. Those have been your core three, your guys, for the last uh, 13-whatever years. And to just kind of blatantly disrespect them, not communicate, not talk to them, anything um, just shows that Stan Bowman doesn't really have a clue and the ego is just out of control for really no reason. I don't get so it. You're, so you're selling. Sure. I'm going to sell the pl- I'm going to sell <laughs> that there is a plan and then okay. sell the, that plan if there right. was one, if that makes uh, sense. It's just, it's, it's very disheartening to see. And I, my hope is that, you know, they're still paying John McDonough because they, you know, fired him early and they're not really expecting fans in the stands next year for at least a whole year. So maybe they're just taking next season as like, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a loss financially anyways. Stan Bowman was secretly signed to an extension by John McDonough two years ago. So maybe they don't want to buy him out just yet. They want to not pay two people in their front office to not work for them. That's really my only hope. But I just I don't see it. I don't see where this franchise is headed. And it's really sad after doing everything right for 10 years. They're just completely going the opposite direction now. Uh, bleak times on the horizon, perhaps uh, in Blackhawk land. We will continue to come to Matt Rooney for our latest and greatest. Matt, what do you got for me? That was fun. Um, NBA Finals wrapped up. and obviously, Buy or sell, Jordan's still the GOAT, Joe. Buy. Just kidding. Obviously, he's still the GOAT. No, we're, we're going to go the other side here. Um, we've talked all year about how the East is pretty wide open. Still kind of seems that way going forward. Obviously, the, the offseason still has yet to happen. We don't know what's going to happen there, who's going to bounce around to where. But uh, buy or sell the Miami Heat as the Eastern Conference favorites headed in the next year? Or is this just kind of a one-year? No, this is this is the seeds of a really strong okay. team in the Eastern Conference. I guess maybe not the favorites, but like perennial contenders in the East now, or was this just 100%. I buy them as perennial contenders. As favorites, I, I just feel like for as – for as bad as I think it's going to go, preseason odds, you have to put some respect on the name of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Sure. Um, that, yeah. that Brooklyn Nets team with Karis LeVert there, all those guys that got big-time tick and, and touched the ball a ton last year in the absence of Irving and Durant uh, will serve as 
really solid um, kind of ancillary pieces to that uh, to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. We'll see, uh, but I do think Miami with Jimmy Butler there, with the youth and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn did fall off down the stretch in the playoffs, but had a promising regular season. I just think there's so many pieces there. Duncan Robinson, yeah, so many pieces, and more importantly. I mean, that's a team that could have rolled over and gotten swept out of the NBA Finals by the Lakers. They did not. Mm-hmm. They stood up because of the um, attitude of Jimmy Butler, because of the belief and coaching aptitude of Eric Spolstra. I think that the chemistry in Miami is superior to anywhere else in the NBA right now, and that's what took them to a Finals this year. Um, that's what won them a couple games in the Finals this year, and I think that's what's going to bring them right back here next year. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I th- obviously, you still have to see how the offseason shapes out. You do have KD and Kyrie coming back uh, for Brooklyn, but that's a team that's going to be in the conversation in the East and for the, the Boston next, you know, Celtics, four or five years. I mean, if the Boston oh, Celtics yeah. can stay he- healthy, that's a tough team for anybody um, to face on, on a night-to-night basis. I think that uh, all in all, the East is getting a lot more talented than it was in years past, and uh, I think that's exciting for the game. I think that's exciting for the balance across conferences. Makes I mean, you think where Giannis is going to go next year too. I mean, if, if the East keeps Golden getting stronger State, and the Bucks, it, probably, and the Bucks keep not putting anything around them. Yeah, um, I, I honestly, they could win seventy-two games next year. We know they're not going to win the championship. We know that, that it's just not. Don't tell friend of the podcast who's very just, interactive with us on Twitter, Nick Meyer, that Giannis okay. is going is leaving the Bucks, going to Golden State. Don't tell him that. Sorry, Nick. He's Don't tell him that. No, he's staying because because he's not winning in, in Milwaukee. I, I just I just don't see it happening. Uh, we can this is a conversation for another day, but Giannis is fantastic as a number one in the regular season. But you the way he does it in the regular season, it's impossible. It doesn't work in the to playoffs. be to be a number one solo in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. LeBron James just led his team in points, rebounds, and assists. So yes, he did a little bit of everything. But there were nights when it was AD's night. There were nights when the shooters had to come through. You have to be able to have those different gears to shift into to win different ways in the playoffs. The Bucks just don't have that. Yeah. Um, but we do have to take this opportunity to say congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers winning title number 17, uh, LeBron's fourth. Uh, just amazing what we're watching him do in year 17. I'm not here for the GOAT conversation. Uh, I'm here to enjoy LeBron. No, you absolutely respect he's what he's doing. It's, it's amazing. Um, was it, you know, I, I thought that, the night that they won, it was the perfect representation of why we love LeBron and, and sometimes why we're overly cri- critical of LeBron. He goes out there, is fantastic, a triple-double performance in a finals-clinching blowout of the Miami Heat. And then he comes to the podium and says, I want my respect. Um, he, he's, he's a little self-aware. He's, he, he's a little too – and I say that in a negative way. I mean, self-awareness mm-hmm. is a good thing. He's a little too aware of all the conversations happening around him. You're LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You're a four-time champion. You're a four-time NBA MVP. Everybody respects you. We don't need you to come out and say, I need my respect. Um, put some respect. Nobody believed in us. What are they going to say now? Just go out yeah, there. I don't, I don't get that. Let your titles and your statues and your banners speak for themselves after your career. He needs uh, to stop, uh, even as he said, chasing ghosts. Like he, he needs to stop. That's one hundred percent. You're thirty six years old. You're in the twilight of your career. You you're are. A, really you are the basketball. ghost. Now. people are chasing you. You Just, are hey, the ghost. Go out and worry about what you're doing. Uh, the people in like LeBron could win championships the next three years. The Jordan people are still going to say it's Jordan. The LeBron people are going to still still say it's. Just stop trying to worry about his legacy. Worry about your own because you got a hell of you got a hell of a legacy you've already built. And you're still building. Just and, just cherish what you got because 
there's not we're at the end of it. I mean, it's not the, the very end of it, but we're on the wind down here. I mean, he's, he doesn't have that many years of elite basketball left. Cherish what you got. Keep winning, doing what you're doing. Don't worry about what Mike did. I'm very, very interested to see what LeBron James looks like next year and what the Los Angeles Lakers look like next year because not only are you coming into a season on short rest because this thing's going to turn around quickly. I think they're talking about January 1 being yeah. the start of the season, which means December 1 is the start of training camp uh, for these teams. I think that we're going to see we're going to see that longevity and that tank tested next year. I think you're going to see a lot of load management out of LeBron mm-hmm. James because you have to think about this season, year 17, things not exactly clicking your way the way you want them to, still winning ball games, still atop the Western Conference. All of a sudden, lead shuts down for three months. Ooh, this is a perfect break to get my body right. So mm-hmm. lead shuts down for three months. You then go to a bubble where you don't have to travel at all. You're not getting on airplanes. You're not having to deal with the stresses of coming home to what's going on in your household. You're not having to deal with any of that. You're in a legit bubble physically, mentally. It is a hyperbaric chamber for your body to be fully prepared for NBA basketball. It's not what it's going to be next year. It's going to be full stadiums, hopefully. It's going to be travel from city to city, cross country, doing all the things that he's done for the previous 17 years. We will see his body tested again at that level in year 18. Do I think he's going to rise to that challenge? 100%. But I'm excited to see him tackle this next challenge. Yeah, plus when AD goes and signs with the Bulls, like he's going to have to do it all by himself. So That's it. Yeah. Be careful now. Be Bull careful for now. Bull for life. Uh, what's he got? He's got a team option at like a bajillion dollars. This year I thought AD was a player team. option. Is, yeah. Uh, excuse me. Yes, yes, yes. Player option, not a team yeah. option. So, But I'm saying. Bull for, for life. He's I think for Bulls. like $40 million. So Bulls are back. Uh, Bulls are back. Matt Rooney's back. Tim Rooney's back. The Moose and Roots podcast is back. It's always Better back. than ever. Uh, it's always back. Uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Uh, 176 in the books. A course review, an NFL whip around, a little bit of NFL news and notes. Hopefully this time next week we'll be talking about Le'Veon Bell, the Chicago Bear. But for now, Still Matt not. Rooney, I am Joe Musso. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>